What do you do to earn a living? You mean work? To hell with the kind of work you have to do to earn a living. All it does is fill the bellies of the pigs who exploit us. Hey, look at me, I'm making it. I may live badly, but at least I don't have to work to do it. What would it take for you to get a job? Hey, I'll get a job when I hear the true call. Oh. You know, the true call. I know when I hear it. Anything else you want to Yeah, there's something else. To all you workers out there, every single commodity you produce is a piece of your own death. What was your relationship like with your... End of interview. You know, there's an interesting breed of leftists that comes from the South specifically and that uh that clip is from slacker which was all shot in austin texas and uh you know the funny thing about you matt uh was that even when we were in high school and you were a high achiever you didn't like to work you didn't do long debate cases you didn't you didn't pull files and cards for debate cases sometimes you would show up in matches without anything written down in fact and uh most people what they really liked about debate was that, you know, you put a lot of effort in and, and then you got some rewards for it. You got to show your effort uh, when you won. But you seem to, you know, not only hate that entire process, but even threw away your own trophies on stage uh, or as you exited stage at some point. So you just puzzlingly seem to hate working and also hate profiting from your work. Well, that's true. Also, But also in the debate context, you know, I kind of tried to push the envelope in my later years in high school and, and innovate. And, and part of that was the come in with no case, make an argument that's only one minute long and then sit down, you know, play with it, see what I could do with the format. Um, you know, that was that was another motivation there, somewhat separate from the fact that I don't like, you know, to put a whole lot of effort in. You, you had some bad jobs in high school, though. Well, I, I, well, I worked at uh, the ballpark in Arlington, uh, also known Amer- as AmeriQuest Field, though not anymore, I don't think, um, because yeah. AmeriQuest has various uh, <laughs> bankruptcy issues or something. Um, You're a landscaper. I worked as a, yeah, uh, my, my father had a uh, professional landscaping, uh, you know, in quotations, uh, side job, and I would uh, do work, work there. Um, I also would occasionally go to, uh, do some domestic work with my, with my mother who, who did that on the side, uh, cleaning houses and that sort of thing. So, and then, and then when you really started living the high life, the way that you really want to live was when you got to college and started living strictly off Pell Grants doing nothing. College was, yeah, it's definitely not working at all in college was great. You know, I, I don't like to just lounge around necessarily. I like to read and, and think about things and you know I, I do things but I don't like working really why, why is that well you know I like to be more self-directed regardless of whether you're working for yourself or working for someone else um, you know you're still kind of trying to fit some sort of you know need you got to get the dollars from someone and so you got to do something and you know, I, I just, I have very low cost leisure activities that I like doing, very low cost hobbies, um, especially now I get free books, uh, you know, so. You're talking about review copies. 
Review copies, yes. Now, I, I shouldn't say free. They're to review. I just don't get around to reviewing a lot of them, unfortunately. So you just don't like people telling you what to do? I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like... Um, Didn't you almost... Did you get kicked out of academic decathlon and you were handing out brochures about why it's a bad institution? In high school, I was tricked uh, into joining <laughs> academic decathlon. I was told that it was an academic contest. It is not an academic contest in any meaningful you sense. Mem you memorize things. It's a memorization game. You spend a lot of money on these big packets that you have to memorize. There's an interview aspect of it's it. It's fun, Matt. You like, a con a con like, like I'm go and I interview. What the, What does that have to do you with just, my academic It's a fun abilities? thing to do with your friends. It wasn't fun. And okay. And I was duped. And here's the thing. Okay. You have to understand about the brochure situation. I was kicked out of the class for, for circulating a, a counter brochure. And I remember was this. removed, yeah, and I had to go to the vice principal's office for the remainder of the semester, and the campus police had to come at one yeah, point and I remove recall me. that. But the thing is, for a grade in the class, for a grade in the class, you had to create a brochure for the next set of recruitment people, right? So we got to recruit the next grade in. So they make you make a brochure, and they grade it. Right, but it was—it's an easy one hundred. You just—I do not agree okay. that you should join academic decathlon. Principled objection. I don't agree with that. So what I did was I made a brochure that said join academic decathlon. You know, follow the rules. But insofar as I don't agree with that statement, I made my own brochure out of school, printed it off, and did counter recruitment. Because I felt like it was wrong that my name is on a brochure that says I think you should join this organization when I don't think you should join the organization. So that has to be it has to be in that context, I think, to really appreciate what I what I was getting at. So thus begins Matt's long and troubled history with what people would think of as work or maybe traditional forms of work. And uh, and that brings us to the job guarantee, which is a, uh, a, a policy proposal that's come up a lot recently. It's certainly not new. Um, there have been different proposals for job guarantees over the years in different countries, in fact. Uh, and, and, you know, they've been received with different degrees of enthusiasm. I have to admit, I'm actually attracted to it philosophically. I think what the job guarantee proposals get at is that there's something in welfareism that doesn't actually solve the whole puzzle. You know, you look at why under, you know, capitalism or the stage of capitalism we're in, specifically people feel, uh, you know, severely disenfranchised. They're not only, you know, lacking in material resources, but there's some kind of emotional or psychological um, resources they're lacking as well because they don't have full participation in society or politics or because they can't really express their creativity or do meaningful work or have any work at all. Um, they're beholden to others. I mean, you know, these are all critiques of capitalism that have come from various socialists over the years. And the job guarantee seems like a policy that recognizes that. Uh, but 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 you you disagree with it on 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 various grounds. So tell me about your approach to the job guarantee. Yeah, so I think it's first it's helpful to explain the job guarantee, um, and that is where the problems begin, because everyone who advocates the idea has a different understanding of what it means, and so that makes it a little bit complicated. But if you kind of take the average of all the ideas and, and where, where the kind of weight of the advocacy is and what, you know, what it's getting at, 
a job guarantee as someone who studies welfare states and you know that's my first love is the welfare state is to Thank me you. <laughs> in policy in the policy world is taxonomically you would say this is a basic unemployment allowance what's well, a basic unemployment allowance a basic unemployment allowance is if you're in the labor market and you don't have a job we're going to give you a fixed minimum benefit and if you get a job then the benefit goes away of course now you have a wage that's a basic unemployment allowance. It exists in Finland. It exists in some other countries. But it's not just a basic unemployment allowance because you have to work to claim your benefit. That's called activation. So it's basic unemployment allowance plus activation. That is um, what a job guarantee is. And historically, the left has been very... Uh, has had very uh, troubling, uh, ha has been very cool on activation requirements. Uh, in fact, in Finland, they just, the right-wing government of Finland just put activation requirements on their basic unemployment allowance, and the unions went out on strike. Uh, there was a citizens' initiative to get it repealed. It, that got three times as many signatures as was necessary. Um all the left-wing parties came out against. So this is uh, it's something that the Trump is uh, uh, allowing for Medicaid. Yeah, well, so that's the, I, I would draw an equivalency, right? It's a work requirement for benefit receipt. That's what it is, But instead of saying, you know, go out and find your own job, it's we're going to give you one, but nonetheless, you see it as just an activation requirement for welfare. It's an activation requirement, yes. It's, so part of it, it, it gets to the question of what is a job? Right. Okay. So, well, no, I, so I don't mean to get too deep into that at, at this point, but there are, we have systems like this. So in the 1990s, right, when we gutted uh, welfare, we got rid of aid to families with dependent children, a long running social security program, and we replaced it with TANF. Tim so this is the series of welfare reforms that took place under Clinton. Clinton, yes, 1996, uh, Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunities Reconciliation Act um, was a horrible, horrible change. And out of that came workfare in you know localities that wanted to do it. Right. So to get your TANF benefits, which is the new name, replacing AFDC, to get your TANF basic social assistance benefits, you'd have to work a certain amount. And they would set up like jobs for you to work, um, quote unquote, you know, go pick up trash in the park or do, you know, little piddling tasks. And you still have that in some parts of the country. Uh, when Bill de Blasio got, became mayor of New York City, he promised to get rid of it in New York City. Um, it, that's been, the left has hated that in the context of workfare for TANF benefits. And to me, this is workfare for unemployment benefits, which is not non-existent throughout the world, but is usually a more right-wing orientation around unemployment benefits. And it's worth pointing out that a lot of the rhetoric is similar between welfare reform advocates who said, look, putting people to work uh, you know, is going to give them dignity. We're going to change them from deadbeats uh, to, to dignified workers who, who have uh, independence and you know, self-reliance can take care of themselves. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that that is wrong. It doesn't mean that people who are out of work uh, don't have 
you know, sort of significant negative emotions associated with being in that condition. Um, but it, it does mean, you know, it does lend some credence to your theory that these are actually similar things masquerading in different ways. Yeah, it doesn't turn out, it seems like, that people who got on workfare for TANF you know, felt good about it more all of a sudden, you know, their depression and whatever else that came from being in that situation that subsided because they were now picking up litter in a park for 12 hours a week. One thing to note here is that almost all other workfare schemes, they don't require you to work 40 hours a week. It's like, yeah, come in, do a little bit of community service, continue your ordinary job hunt. This is an extreme form of workfare to make someone work 40 hours a week. Uh, they're not going to be able to look for other work, realistically. That's going to take up all your time if you've got kids after work, you know. So, yeah, I mean, if you thought that this was going to fix those problems where people who are on the bottom end of the labor market are just feel absolutely awful all the time, which, by the way, does not include only unemployed people. Right. Even people in low-wage, bad jobs, or just jobs that are low on the totem pole, regardless of you know conditions or whatever, they're not well-regarded by society. They have low status. They're supposed to be humiliated. Well, this is a feature of capitalism, right? That, that there's a whole class of people who are thought of as, you know, their lowly position is evidence uh, that they're not worth as much because if they were worth more, if they had more value to add, the market would have elevated them to a more valuable position. And so this is one of the illusions of capitalism, right? Part of its mystification is you begin to think that the people who have the least deserve the least and maybe deserve even less. So that's why you hear things, oh, you're not even fit to be a, a burger flipper. Right. I would say it's a, it's a legitimizing exercise right. around the hierarchies of capitalism right the people at the top they're good they're sustained they're you know they, they they should feel good about it people at the bottom whether that's because they're unemployed they're on basic social assistance or they're flipping burgers or they're in a retail job those people they should feel bad that's failure what are i mean you see these little tidbits from time to time i feel like there's always a news item that comes out about oh you know uh, when i would fail a math test my uh, my uh, uh, teacher would staple a mcdonald's resume or application on it ha 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 right like that's not about work or not work it's just are you at the bottom or not and so there i feel like there's a little bit of a naivete or conflation where people are like hmm, no when people say that uh, you're bad because you don't work uh, they really mean it instead of just like, yeah, no, the whole swath of like the bottom third of the labor market is trash. Like that's what they really think. Those same people right. who feel that way don't feel kindly uh, towards service workers or anything. So it's not going to cure all of the emotional ills that come with, with being unemployed necessarily. It's just going to put you in a different kind of unfair and negative emotional circumstance. But what kind of jobs are people suggesting for the job guarantee? Yeah, so, so here I would say is, aside from some of the more philosophical questions, the, the, the first practical issue is, okay, so we're going to take everyone who doesn't have a job and we're going to get them doing something. Now, the problem is, right off the bat, you say, okay, well, what are you going to have them do? And in workfare systems around the world and even in our own country, it's a lot of like, I don't know, BS tasks, little things that are not terribly attractive, not terribly appealing, not terribly productive, but they work because 
of the constraints of that program. And you don't want to come out when you're trying to sell a policy and be like, yeah, you know what we're going to do is we're going to have them pretend to rake leaves in the park, which is, you know, something that happens under real workfare. Instead, you want to say, we're going to have them do big, socially useful things. And that sounds all well and good, but it's not really practical given the constraints of the job guarantee program, right? So the job guarantee program, uh, all the jobs in that program need to be able to go completely unfilled, right? Because if the economy picks up and it soaks them into the private market, that job just needs to go. They need to be, be able to walk away. They need to be walk away and that job needs to be empty. It yeah. needs to be possible for that job to be empty. So anything that's critical can't go. Right. Two, no skills or very little skills. Anyone needs to be right, able right, to do right. it. Three, no capital. So you can't like require a ton of machines or inputs or anything like that. It's too expensive. And you know, how would you even manage it? Capital is very specialized to a specific type of production. And what if you don't get that kind of worker in? Yeah. Very low capital. You can't duplicate the public sector. You probably can't duplicate the private sector. There's a little bit of like disagreement about this, but like practically speaking, workers in the private sector are not going to like you coming in and, oh, we're doing your work for free now, yeah, you know, without right. like an employer to pay wage. Um, you can't put the workers inside businesses. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> even though they do most of the production and you can't do that. And the whole enterprise has to be done just with those unemployed workers. So you can't go out and be like, oh, we're going to get some really highly skilled people in here to kind of manage the higher skilled tasks. You can't do that. Why? Whoever comes, because if you're hiring them out of the private market, you're going to have to pay them more than yeah. the, wa the minimum wage. Yeah. And that's just not how the program works. The program is we take workers as they come, not we go and hire the ones we need. Um, so you put that all together and it's like, yeah, the tasks that you're going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to do stuff like, like some of them say, like, well, we can build bridges and roads. No, bridges and roads, you need engineers, you need computers, you need technicians that are very highly skilled. There are some low-skilled jobs that go along with building things yeah. like that, but you would need to put that person with a bunch of highly skilled people who do the highly skilled aspects. Kind of blend it with private contractors who already come in and do this work. Right. So one thing you could do is plug them into a private company and be like, oh, let them do the, the lesser tasks yeah. and then maybe they can learn more and get more developed or something like that. But that's not allowed because you're not allowed to use private businesses Why? for this. That's just one of the stipulations in almost all the job guarantee plans. Okay. This is a public job. We're not just putting you into a private firm. Um, because that would be, you know, there are a lot of problems that come with supplying private firms with, with slave labor, basically. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. I think that actually makes a little bit more. I mean, I think the private part is what what, um, you know, it bothers them, that yeah. notion. But like if you don't like the fact that the firm is private, just buy it. And now it's public. Yeah. Like <laughs> don't think about it in terms of ownership when we're trying to think about right. how to do the labor side of it. The ownership is a separate question. Right. Um, like. Think about it as this is the way we normally produce things. Okay, so where do you want to put workers? I don't know, probably in the units that normally produce things. Right. And if you don't like that it's privately owned, buy it, nationalize it, you know. Right. Um, don't get too caught up in that. But the but they're not tipping over into nationalizing industries here. No, it, it's one of those weird things where it's like there's an antagonism to private um, industry, which I completely sympathize with. Right. But 
then the solution is not like, okay, let's actually go out there and do this stuff publicly and let's do it right. Like in Finland, for instance, they have a, a, a state-owned enterprise called VR. It's one of their big construction companies. They do a lot of infrastructure. It's publicly owned. It's a normal company, but it's publicly owned. But they go out, they have engineers. They like, they, they're really like in the game of, you know what? We want to build this infrastructure publicly. We're going to go do it. They didn't say, let's just get some people off the dole yeah. and they'll sort of figure out how to build a bridge. That's, it's, that's nuts. Um, but the problem is, I guess, to bring it all the way back, you don't want to sell this program on they're going to be doing like little make work tasks. So you say that they're going to be doing important, socially useful things, even though they, you just can't. Like what? Give me some examples. So uh, infrastructure, construction, that kind of thing is a big yeah. one. We can build bridges. You can't build bridges. You're not going to have engineers in this program. Engineers are not, they, they have jobs, like they, they're in demand. Um, yeah. Or things like, um, things that could be done publicly, but that you can't really do counter cyclically, that you can't really just like pull out from underneath people all of a sudden, like childcare is a good example. Childcare, you can have public childcare workers. They exist in a lot of countries. But you can't do it in this like revolving basis of whoever happens to be unemployed. Yeah. I mean, people, one, are going to be not fond of sending their kids to just like, yep, whoever was unemployed <laughs> this week. Like, yeah. like, you know, well, no, we like child care workers yeah. to kind of bond with the kids, you know, have some sort of longevity of sorts. Uh, we want them to be very well vetted, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and when the economy picks up, it can't be that there's nowhere to put my child anymore. Right. What am right. I going to, you know? Right. So it's a lot of stuff like that where it's like, this is great. I would, we should do more infrastructure. We should do more child care benefits, or including free public child care. We should do all those things. They don't really fit in this program. Right. But that's how the program is being sold because those things are very attractive. Those public services and public functions are very attractive. And so you get people in by... by at associating it with those things, even though those things are not really appropriate. You don't really actually make a lot of sense. I have some suggestions. Okay. Uh, and this is just based on stuff I've seen on TV. Um, demolition. Demolition, what do you mean? Like we could make that as a job guarantee job that you get. You get to just like break down walls with a hammer. You know, I mean, that's that's dangerous. You know, I, dangerous. I, you know, I, I don't think, you know, you got to be careful there um, in Australia. I was looking up. Uh, they have a program called Work for the Dole. And it's a big, <laughs> very shameless of them. They, yeah, it's been around since the 90s. And I was doing a lot of research on it recently because it's, I think, the most similar program to Job sure, Guarantee. Sure. And they just had a boy, I think he was 17 or maybe 19 to die. Oh, my. In their program, that's like terrible. fell off a truck and. And they got some of his texts, and they were in some of the articles, and he was like, God, I work for the Dole. It's garbage. I hate this, and whatever. And the kid died, and like, so you got to be careful. Yeah. You know, these are not, you know, they, if they don't have experience, they don't know what they're doing, you put them in a dangerous situation, like demolishing a building, you know, people are going to die. Mercenaries? Well, you know, mercenaries, that's also a skill, I feel like. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, there are things you can do. I mean, so uh, a good category of things you can do that are that is maybe not so like dreadful sounding is like arts and beautification, because you don't need arts and beautification, or at least we 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 have a lot of that anyways. Yeah. Like we have a lot of entertainment and culture that's produced, uh, but you know it's kind of nice, I suppose. You know, like. Uh, 
you know, the streets could always be a little cleaner and that sort of thing. Um, those are things that you don't really need. You can get rid of them if you don't want them. Low capital, low skill. You know, it, it ticks all the boxes. You had a plan for one, in fact. You had a job guarantee plan that you were telling me about. Yeah, so I was thinking about what is the easiest way to do this that checks all the boxes that would require very little administration. And that is, uh, my idea was basically to have everyone who's unemployed, they're going to get the basic unemployment allowance, the same quote unquote wage that job guarantee plans propose. They're going to get that. But their job, their activation task is not showing up and doing, you know, whatever sorting cans or whatever. Their job is going to be to post an opinion online periodically. And that's what I do. That is mine. That's also what I do. That's your job. And that's a lot of people I know that's their yeah. job. It's a real job. Um, it's a job that suffers in many ways from lack of representative representativeness. That's true. And this is a good way to get a lot yeah. more representativeness. It's very easy. You don't really need managers or anything like that. You could just, as far as like proving you've done it, just, just send me the link, yeah. you know? Um, and it reminded me because when I, I, when I was unemployed, I, there are activation tasks already in unemployment programs. Uh, the U.S. has some of the lowest requirements on activation. In fact, it's actually a pretty low burden country, believe it or not. And my activation tasks were um, to apply to two jobs a week. I remember that. And I'd have to send them um, you know, the names and, and addresses and phone numbers of people I had applied to. And... I was going to do that anyway so that it didn't really matter but you could do that but just here's also a box where you have to link me to you know your youtube video about you know the last clippers game or whatever and you were going to call this takes.gov if you needed a separate website you takes.gov is an obvious like url for it you could also call it the civilian critics core um <laughs> i like it I, I i like this proposal yeah, and I mean, one of the reasons I, I mean, it occurred to me, you know, just, just, and, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, this is a very interesting proposal, not just because it ticks off all the boxes and interesting, but when you confront, what will people say about it? Like advocates of this, if you say, why not just do that? And like, interesting to see, like, where will they go with it? Because it is a job. It's a real job. It's a real job. Like, it's my job. People get paid yeah. like good money That's for it. That's my livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so why not just do that? And, but of course the natural reaction is that's ridiculous, that's silly. But like, how do you explain why that is bad? That doesn't count, but like growing stuff in the community garden counts. How do you do that? What's the distinction you draw? And like people, you know, they, they struggle. I think uh, th those I've asked, they struggle to really explain like what's the difference. Uh, so do you think that that means that there's something unspoken motivating the job guarantee advocacy? That, that, that your, your proposal drills down on that unspoken motive? Um, I mean, I think it just, I think it just, it kind of unveils this sort of emptiness of jobs per se. Like just, oh, well that's payment for, for a for a thing you're doing so that's that makes it significant and meaningful and dignified or whatever um, I, I think that is the the part um, and like when you when you start doing some of these the stuff like that it really undermines you know like 
the significance of the things that they want people to do. Yeah. Um, so like one thing you could say, it's not socially useful though. I mean, I, you know, like I said, a lot of people do this work, so there's something to it. Um, but, but so for instance, uh, he, here's maybe a better way to see where the problem starts coming in. So if I can identify a task that people get paid for as a real job and I say, we'll just have them do it and we'll call that a job and then we're done. We don't even have to, we don't have to set up all these offices. We don't have to do any of that. Um, well, what's a job that people get paid to do? Well, there's one job that people get paid to do um, at an employment agency. And that job is they take people who are looking for work, they create resumes for them, they apply them to jobs, they track uh, job posting boards, they do all those things. Yeah, That's a real job. People really get paid for that. Headhunters. Headhunters is, is you know, how, what it's called on, the, on sort of the higher level of the labor market, but like employment agencies and yeah. stuff for lower levels of the market. And so um, these are job seekers. Yeah. These are professional job seekers. Well, isn't that what unemployed people do? That's true. So why don't you just pay them to look for work? Yeah. And, and when you confront them initially, when you confront someone initially with that, you say, why don't you just pay them to look for work? They go, that's not a job. It is a job. And then you go, it is a job. People get paid to do that. They do the exact same thing. People yeah. full time do this, make a decent living doing this. Yeah. So why don't we just do that? Well, now it's red zone. No, no, no. My whole premise of my whole program of why it makes it significant and unique is to say that job seeking isn't a job. Yeah. That I have these special things that are really jobs. These tasks, these are job tasks. The other tasks you do when you're looking for work or posting online or something like that, that's not a real job. I've got the real job, which is growing tomatoes in an urban garden. For me, it all feels like this is kind of... Uh you know, like I said, I'm initially attracted to it, but I'm attracted to it because I think it identifies the right problem. And the problem is that, you know, just getting material resources, just receiving welfare, that doesn't totally rectify all the damage done under capitalism. But I don't think giving someone a, you know, job.gov is going to fix that either, not only because of what we've already stipulated, that is that, you know, the bottom third of jobs are heavily stigmatized anyway. Um, but because the problem here, as usual, is capitalism itself destroys sources of meaning. What people are looking for is some sense of dignity, of belonging, of contribution, creativity. And capitalism sort of systematically reduces all your methods of getting those feelings to, you know, a cash nexus, right? You know, what you're, the value of what you're doing is strictly the money you can get out of it. Every transaction can be reduced to costs. Everything can be demystified, weighed, measured, bought, and sold. This is just how liberal capitalism works, right? And, uh, and so you're expected to privatize your sources of meaning. So typically the response to that is, hey, I have my own ways of finding meaning. You have your own ways of finding meaning. Everyone will just follow their own bliss, but it turns out that's not actually how people work. For someone to feel like they're doing something meaningful or dignified, other people need to recognize it as such. You know, And so you know, under capitalism, it becomes increasingly difficult to, to feel like you are participating in a community to which you're contributing something equal to your withdrawal. 
you know, to put it in transactional terms, and that you're doing something that has a sort of transcendent value and that you're self-actualizing. But I don't think giving someone, a, you know, a job.gov is going to fix that because giving people most jobs doesn't fix that. And it doesn't fix the character of capitalism. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, the social recognition piece, I think that is the big sort of, if you can get through some of the like, you know, well, what about practical problems, blah, blah, blah. That's really kind of the, I don't know, deeper. That seems like the meat of it. The meat. That's the thing. It's like these people, they're marginalized. That's a word that you'll use. Which that, is true. That is often used in these contexts marginalized from society or at risk of marginalization because you know guess what when you're unemployed you know it's hard on you 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 lose ties with people etc etc um i mean it was hard it was hard for you it is hard i mean it's hard I, I, in my case i mean i was mainly concerned about income as opposed to like if i had a completely squared away income it, it wouldn't have really bothered me no you're a unique case that much but um, but yeah, but like you said, the, 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 it's hard to feel like you're being socially recognized when even though you work full time, another person who gets up every day and works just as much as you do, or, or I should say only works as much as you work is getting paid uh, 50,000 times what you are. <laughs> like, like, oh, yes, this society is recognizing me um, so much, you know, yeah. uh, I work as much as this guy. I probably work more than this guy. I probably work harder than this right. guy. And he makes 50,000 times what I do. That's where you're, you're losing social recognition. Wasn't there recently a CEO's quote to that effect where they were talking about maximum wages and he said something on the record that was like... Yeah, the, uh, the, head, of, um, the head of public storage, the yeah. company that does little rental lockers where yeah. you can you know put your garbage... Um, <laughs> he is a publicly traded company, so he, he his company is subject to the new SEC rule where you have to provide the CEO to CEO pay ratio, where yeah. you compare CEO to the median worker. And that one had a very high ratio because they employ lower paid workers mostly. And he says, you know, CEO to median pay, that's not only not comparing, that's not just comparing apples to oranges, that's comparing apples to Star Wars. <laughs> These folks, they don't know how to allocate capital. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Um, and, you know, the whole thing was, but like, that gets at the key, right? right like, right, these right. people are workers in his own company. Right. These are his and own he's workers. A public statement about his own workers being like, these people. They're, 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 I mean, to call them human is almost too much. <laughs> they're, they're my beasts. I am like a intergalactic, uh, you know, sp uh, space superhuman, and, and these people are, are below, a, below a horse, I would say. Well, what's great about the latest Star Wars films is that it's, uh, they're about all the characters fucking up constantly. So in that sense, it's like true. I mean, the thing about a CEO is when you fuck up, you can kind of do it on a cosmic scale. Yeah, and then you get to $10 million uh, severance pay when you yeah. uh, screw up. And also, you know, I don't know, running uh, storage units. I don't know. Is that Star Wars? It doesn't seem that hard to me. I feel like I could I could probably do it. He should go on Undercover Boss. 
he's just, he's just going undercover boss and really like goad them into uh, yeah. talking about like when they're doing their sob story. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody, if you guys have, heard, have watched Undercover Boss, but the basic script is you know a CEO goes undercover in his business and and they always set it up to where one of his workers is just in absolute horrific pain. And like what's bizarre is the pain is like ninety percent of the time caused by the fact that the job sucks so bad, <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, I um. I can't afford to live with my family because, uh, you know, the money is just not enough and we're homeless and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the CEO comes back later and is like, I'm going to buy you a house. And, like, not realizing, well, hey, every other worker in your company is also suffering the same way. But it would be funny for him to come on, have them tell a sob story, and then just be like, hey, that's... Try harder, guys. Try harder. Some of us, we work hard. We learn how to allocate capital. Others, we just we just comfortable with our station in life. In particular, uh, you know, living on a friend's couch. And so that's a really big. That's that's a, you know, one of the issues at the heart of the problem here that the job guarantee can't really solve for. So so what would you? I mean, what would you put in the place of the job guarantee? Just welfare. Yes. Well, so full employment has always been well for you know, 100 years, a demand of the left, full employment. Everyone needs to be employed as much, you know, as much as possible. Of course, that is not, that's strictly not possible because there are always some people who are in the middle of switching jobs. If a company fails, they have to release their workers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the nature of a dynamic economy. You always have people who are what we call frictionally unemployed. They're just moving between jobs. They got laid off. Their company failed. Whatever. Um, so you never like strictly like solve that problem. But that that's not really a problem. You're moving from one job to another. We'll give you welfare benefits. You won't miss a beat. But when it comes to kind of bigger level issues of well, some people they just they're in a situation where no one's ever going to hire them. Then you can. Then it makes sense to have what are called active labor market policies that are specifically targeted to those groups of people who need extra training or who might need just just a subsidized job to get back into the labor market and say, all right, we're going to help cover this guy's or or, or girl's uh, you know wage for six months, seven months, whatever, to make them more attractive. There are little things you can do like that. Um, but I mean, broadly speaking, if you, if you want more, if you want a higher rate of employment, you know, one thing you can do in the U S that's probably going to pay more dividends than anything else is free public childcare. Not only is that going to massively increase, uh, you know, our public workforce because we're going to have a lot more childcare workers, but also it's going to enable a lot more people who can't work right now because of lack of childcare, but who want to, to work. But you vet them and you train them. Yeah, a normal, yeah. like with public te- school teachers right. who are not just unemployed people that we put right. into the classroom but are like professionals. Sure. Um, like that, that's what you would do. So that's a very easy way to increase the employment rate, um, especially for women. Um, aside from that, you know, good macro policy, make sure the Fed doesn't hike rates, rates make sure the fiscal stimulus is flowing when it's able to flow. Um, you know, it's it's a normal set of set of policies, and just try to keep it as low as you can, and and provide welfare benefits to anyone who finds themselves out of work, and and you know help them help them get back into work. But you know, this sort of thing is, uh, 
you know, an unemployment allowance that where you force everyone to do tasks for 40 hours a week, I, you know, I just don't see it um, as as really accomplishing a whole lot. But it does it does get it an important issue. Um, and 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 I, I mean, I think it's an important conversation to have for the reasons that we've identified is that the, the typical critiques of the conditions under capitalism don't really go all the way down to what the problems are, right? They, they get at symptoms. And, and this, you know, is arguably another set of symptoms, but, but at least revealing those points toward the larger problem, and, and it all coheres, or it's all part of one big problem. It has to do with how resources, how status, how stigma, and how privation are all distributed throughout an economy. Uh, I think that's it for the job guarantee. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And we will make more low quality podcasts.